Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. This piece of music has appeared in every Star Wars film, including the most recent one, The Force Awakens. It's known as the Force theme, or binary sunset. John Williams adapts this theme to match the action and tone of a scene, but the melody remains the same. And by repeating this music throughout the seven films, it connects characters in the saga and eventually becomes associated with Luke Skywalker. Now it's easy to understand why a composer would use recurring musical themes in a film. But what about the use of recurring visuals, like camera angles and lighting? Or what about repeating narrative patterns in the script, or the repetition of a particular line of dialogue? Why would a director use these techniques? Is it brilliance or a lack of originality? 
Today, we're going to explore a theory that claims George Lucas used repetition with a purpose and employed an ancient technique called ring composition in all of his Star Wars films. Today's episode might feel like we're putting together a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle, but piece by piece, we will put together this puzzle that will reveal a side of Star Wars that you might never have imagined. Our guide on this journey is a man well-versed in this subject matter, Mike Climo. Mike is the author of a brilliant essay on the Star Wars ring theory. We're going to talk to him and find out how his Star Wars ring theory came to be, discuss its impact in the fan community, and see where The Force Awakens fits into the structure. All that and much more on this episode of The Jedi Beat. I'm your host, Jennifer Landa. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. To begin our journey into the ring theory, we must first look back at ancient poetry. Unlike English poetry that uses rhyming patterns, ancient poetry rhymed ideas through a technique called parallelism. You might remember this literary device from your high school English class. But to refresh your memory, parallelism can juxtapose contrasting images or ideas to show how different they are, like Charles Dickens did in *A Tale of Two Cities*. <clears throat> It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. Yada yada yada. Parallelism can also join similar concepts to show their connection to each other. This type of poetry can be found all the way back in the Old Testament of the Bible. Here's an example of parallelism from Proverbs: A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. If you break down this poetic pattern, it falls into an A B C A B C structure. A, the wise son, corresponds to A, the foolish son. B brings joy, corresponds to B brings grief, and C, his father, corresponds to C, his mother. This structure is often referred to as step parallelism. What I think is most interesting about parallelism is that the pattern actually helps you remember the moral or the message. There's a certain rhythm in the repetition that also makes it easier to understand, and later on retell the story. All right, now that we've brushed up on our literary devices, what does step parallelism have to do with Star Wars, anyways? Well, it has everything to do with it. If you look at the Star Wars saga, you can see this pattern of step parallelism. In a scene from a documentary about the making of the Phantom Menace, George Lucas and his production team are going over the storyboards for the film. Here's George explaining the significance of Anakin Skywalker blowing up the droid control ship. You know, kind of duplicating the Luke Skywalker role, but you see the echo of where it all is going to go.、And、instead of destroying the Death Star, he destroys the ship that controls the robots. Again, it's like poetry, so if they rhyme. Mm-hmm. Every stanza kind of rhymes with the last one. The parallels between the Phantom Menace and A New Hope are very clear. Anakin, like Luke, is a young boy on the desert planet of Tatooine. They're both from a broken family, so to speak, and they're suddenly given the opportunity to embark on an epic quest involving a beautiful royal young woman who needs his help, and well, you know the rest. So, if we apply the step parallelism structure to the six Star Wars films, it would be A. The Phantom Menace corresponds with A. A New Hope. B. Attack of the Clones corresponds with B. The Empire Strikes Back, and C. Revenge of the Sith corresponds with C. Return of the Jedi. But here's where things get weird if you take a closer look. Hey, Jennifer, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? This is Mike Kleinman, author of a fascinating article about the Star Wars ring theory. Mike discovered that yes, the Star Wars saga follows a step parallelism structure. That is happening, but at the same time, there's this other larger structure going on underneath the surface that will blow your mind. There is another. Yep, there is another structure that is called inverted parallelism. Also known as ring composition. Before we dive into this ring theory, I wanted to know how in the world did Mike come up with this? 
I was doing research for a batch of essays about Star Wars that I, you know, I originally wanted to write. You know, I was really looking closely at the films, and I was taking some screenshots and kind of scrubbing through them. Obviously, there's similarities in the films. I think we've all kind of noticed those. When we watched, you know, The Phantom Menace, that it, we kind of lined up a little bit with New Hope, and then Clones lined up with Empire, and Sith lined up with Jedi. That's the ABC-ABC step parallelism structure we talked about earlier. This structure shows the parallel journeys between Anakin and Luke. You know, Lucas had already talked about that, you know, like Anakin and Luke are kind of going through the same journeys. When Mike took a closer look at Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, he was surprised to find a lot of similarities to Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. Like, for instance, the multi-strand battles that take place at the end of both films. Once he realized the endings were similar, something unusual happened. I started to see that, you know, the middle kind of matches up too. And the speeder bikes compared to the pod racing. And then the beginning kind of matched up with the introduction with these ships kind of flying by the camera, going into a, a bigger space station. And, and then I kind of broke it down and, and took a little time. And I realized, now, wait a second. While it does resemble A New Hope, it, it more closely aligns you know, with, with Phantom Menace, which I thought was just very bizarre. If Episode 1 lined up with Episode 6, this didn't fit with the ABC-ABC structure. Mike knew he was onto something, so he quickly shelved his Star Wars essays and began looking at the rest of the films to see how they matched up. I had a background in screenwriting, so I was, you know, doing script breakdowns, just in very general terms at first, breaking them into, a, into their acts. But then, you know, going a little bit further into these into sequences and scenes and then, you know, individual shots. And after doing that, you kind of realize, okay, there is kind of this pattern going on. But I, I really didn't quite know what to make of it. I sense something. A presence I've not felt since... Since Mike's college days, to be exact. So I, I started looking more into, like, line schemes and just, like, poetic structures and... And those kinds of things. And then I, I came across Chiasmus, which I remembered, you know, studying a little bit back in my college days with, like, comparative religion and such. And... Oh, oh, I know. A chiasmus is a rhetorical device that inverts a sentence's grammatical structure or ideas. So, instead of step parallelism's ABC-ABC pattern, a chiastic structure has an ABBA pattern. An example of a simple chiasmus is John F. Kennedy's famous quote, Ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. The second part of that sentence is just a reversal of the first part. And through Chiasmus, that led me to a book by a social anthropologist named Mary Douglas. She wrote a book called Thinking in Circles, and, and she outlines this, you know, this ancient technique called ring composition, which I really was not familiar with. And, and it was just amazing how, as I'm reading this, she's just beat for beat, explaining what I feel is exactly what Lucas was, was trying to do and how he structured those six movies. Mike's Ring Theory essay shows that the Star Wars saga is an elaborate ABC-CBA rhyme pattern. So The Phantom Menace corresponds with Return of the Jedi, Attack of the Clones with The Empire Strikes Back, and Revenge of the Sith with A New Hope. Since this is a podcast and I can't show you a diagram, it might help if you draw an imaginary circle in your mind. Episode 1 would be at the top of the circle, 
episode two on the right side of the circle in the middle, and episode three would be at the bottom. Moving to the left, episode four would be next to episode three at the bottom, since the story of A New Hope is somewhat of a mirror opposite of Revenge of the Sith. Episode five would be on the left side of the circle in the middle, because again, the story of Empire is a mirror opposite of Clones. And episode six would be at the top, completing the circle. As you heard, two of the pairs mirror each other in this circle. What that means is that while there are similarities between the pairs, their plots unfold in the opposite direction. Okay, here's a quick example. In Act Three of Revenge of the Sith, a fateful encounter takes place between Obi Wan and a Skywalker. You were the chosen one. It was said that you would destroy the Sith, not join them. Whereas in Act One of A New Hope. A different type of fateful encounter takes place between Obi Wan and a Skywalker. What is it? It's your father's lightsaber. This is the weapon of a Jedi Knight. Not as clumsy or random as a blaster. Hang on, because we are about to dive deeper into the ring theory. In Mary Douglas's book, Thinking in Circles. That's the one Mike was reading during his research. She lays out seven characteristics that are common in ring composition. Let's see how these characteristics can be applied to the Star Wars saga. Number one, a ring composition needs an introductory section that introduces the characters and also gives important context for the rest of the piece. The introductory section also states the major themes of the work. In the case of Star Wars, the Phantom Menace would be this introductory section. It introduces all major characters like Anakin Skywalker and Palpatine. It also states one of the major themes of the saga, which is the struggle between the Jedi and the Sith, or the light side and the dark side. Also, the Phantom Menace provides crucial background on Anakin Skywalker that sets up the rest of the films. Number two, a ring composition must be split into two halves. Well, Star Wars obviously meets. That criteria, since the saga is split into the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. Number three, there must be parallel sections. The Phantom Menace should parallel Return of the Jedi, Clones should parallel Empire, and Revenge of the Sith should parallel A New Hope. And they do. Like Mike said, when he compared the Phantom Menace to Return of the Jedi, he was amazed by how their beginnings, middles, and ends matched up. This is where Mike's research led to an intriguing discovery. But before we dive deeper into that, let's go through the rest of the ring composition characteristics. Number four, a ring composition should have indicators to mark individual sections. Well, that's also clear in Star Wars, since George Lucas's story is told throughout six films. Number five, a ring composition should have central loading. Uh, what? Well, most modern stories have a climax near the end of the story, whereas ring compositions tend to have a climax at the middle of the story. It's also worth noting that the important message of the story tends to be delivered at the center of the ring. Guess what film is at the center of the Star Wars ring? Revenge of the Sith. You were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. The climax of the Star Wars story is when Anakin Skywalker turns to the dark side and becomes Darth Vader. 
Revenge of the Sith is also the film where the Republic turns into the Galactic Empire and Padme gives birth to twins Luke and Leia. Number 6. A ring composition should have rings within rings. Oh my gosh, as if this structure couldn't get any more complicated, now we have multiple rings to deal with. So okay, let's go over this. In Star Wars, each trilogy is itself a smaller ring within the larger outer ring. And within this smaller ring, the third film in both trilogies repeats and varies elements from the previous two films. For example, the opening of Return of the Jedi mirrors the opening of A New Hope. In both films, the opening shot is an Imperial Star Destroyer flying over the camera with a planet down below. Return of the Jedi also begins on Tatooine, like A New Hope, and in both films, the first part of the story focuses on C-3PO and R2-D2, who are on a mission to deliver a holographic message. Bato, we, we bring a message to your master, Jabba the Hutt. Say Jabba Wonka. Number seven. Lastly, a ring composition should have closure at two levels, structural and thematic. The Phantom Menace and Return of the Jedi obviously frame the Star Wars series. The beginning of Episode 1 is parallel to the end of Episode 6, in that The Phantom Menace begins during a time of peace, which is where Return of the Jedi ends. This brackets off the saga and gives it a sense of closure. When it comes to thematic closure, Mary Douglas says that the ending should either have characters get what they deserve, or reconcile them by making prophecies come true, or by fulfilling curses or promises. In The Phantom Menace, we learn that Qui-Gon Jinn believes Anakin is the chosen one of an ancient Jedi prophecy, destined to destroy the Sith and bring balance to the Force. He is the chosen one. You must see it. Hmm. Clouded this boy's future is. Ultimately, this prophecy does come true. Balance is restored at the end of Return of the Jedi. To quote George Lucas, Anakin takes the ounce of good left in him and destroys the Emperor out of compassion for his son. The circle is now complete. If all this evidence does not convince you that George Lucas used ring composition to structure his films, then how about this one? Remember that intriguing discovery I mentioned earlier? When Mike was researching the parallels between the pairs of films, like The Phantom Menace and Return of the Jedi, he discovered that these parallels occurred around the same time during the films. Mike found that at precisely nine minutes into both episode one and episode six, there is a scene that takes place inside a palace throne room with a group of characters watching a holographic message. I have assurances from the Chancellor. His ambassadors did it right. Senator Palpatine. What's happening? Check the transmission generator. I present to you a gift. These two droids. What did you say? Both are hardworking and will serve you well. This can't be. Artu, you're playing the wrong message. <laughs> Fifteen minutes into The Phantom Menace, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon ask Boss Nass, the Gungan leader, for help. When their negotiation goes nowhere, Qui-Gon uses a Jedi mind trick on Boss Nass. And speed is on our way. We are gonna speed you away. We could use a transport. We shall give you a bongo. Fifteen minutes into Return of the Jedi, 
Leia, disguised as a bounty hunter, tries to bargain with Jabba. Five minutes later, Luke enters and, in bargaining to free his friends, tries a Jedi mind trick on Jabba. You will bring Captain Solo and the Wookiee to me. But unlike Qui-Gon, he fails. If you watch these scenes, I swear, you will see that the way that they're framed is identical. They're both over-the-shoulder shots of Luke and Qui-Gon standing before similar-looking alien creatures. Oh wait, there's more. The pod race in The Phantom Menace and the speeder bike chase in Return of the Jedi both occur approximately one hour into the films. At around 75 minutes into each film, both Anakin and Luke make a fateful decision to leave loved ones. I ever see you again? What does your heart tell you? I hope so. You can feel when I'm near. That's why I have to go. As long as I stay, I'm endangering the group and our mission here. 90 minutes into The Phantom Menace, Anakin is brought before the Jedi Council. I'll feel you. Cold, sir. Afraid, are you? No, sir. See through you? We can. Be mindful of your feelings. And 90 minutes on the other side of the ring composition in Return of the Jedi, Luke is brought before the Emperor. I'm looking forward to completing your training. In time, you will call me Master. You're gravely mistaken. You won't convert me as you did my father. I mean, come on. Matching up shots down to the minute is not just a coincidence, right? It's such an intricate detail on George Lucas's part that I can't help but wonder. Did Lucas think that people would get this? Or was this just for his own, because he's an artist, really? Right, right. You know, it got to the point where I started to think, you know, it's just, just is, is Lucas just playing one big mind trick on all of us? It's unbelievable. Like you mentioned, you know, you have a you know, certain number of minutes into both Phantom Menace and, and Return of the Jedi. You know, there's a scene in the palace throne room where characters are watching a hologram and it's like, give me a, come on. I mean, are you just playing with us? Right. Um, he probably thought, you know, I'm just totally speculating here. I, I imagine he probably thought, given how, you know, how rabid the fan base is and and how into, like, Easter eggs we are today, that at some point someone and, you know, people would, would kind of, you know, figure all this stuff out or, or look at the films in such detail to be able to appreciate what he put into it. But another part of me thinks it was something that he did to, to please himself. Like you said, he is an artist. I think a lot of people forget that about Lucas, you know, where he came from and how when he was getting into film at USC and he was very avant-garde and he wanted to get into more art films and documentaries and, you know, he was making these kind of visual tone poems and, you know, he's very different from what I think a lot of people think he is, you know, the kind of filmmaker they, they, they think that he is today. So I think that it's, it's so fitting that you do have a background in screenwriting because I can't imagine all the research that you must have done for this and, you know, wading through all the different shots and breaking down the script. I mean, was there ever a point where you just thought to yourself, okay, this, this is a bit much. I, I need to maybe step away from this. <laughs> yeah. Probably every other day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. 
Like Lucas, Mike also studied film in college, and I believe that it's Mike's background that made him the chosen one, at least to discover this deeper structure of Star Wars. I've always loved Star Wars since I was a kid, and as I got older, I started to appreciate Star Wars more from like the perspective of Joseph Campbell. When I was a teenager, I finally read The Power of Myth and, and kind of got introduced to, to mythology and into those kinds of things. And then and when I got into college and I wanted to get more into film and I got more into storytelling and screenwriting and learning about filmmaking. So it was amazing to me to kind of be able to take all of that kind of background and bring it to this and, and see how much detail you know, an effort Lucas must have put into this. Like matching scenes from the prequels to the original trilogy down to the precise minute. You know, and matching things by color or by how they how he blocked the actors in a scene to, the, you know, the movement of a ship or a character. It's just, it is kind of mind-blowing that that much thought and, and detail was put into it. Say what you will about the prequels, but if you analyze them the way that Mike has, there is no denying George Lucas's brilliance. In fact, after reading Mike's essay, I gained a new appreciation for the films, and honestly, I really enjoy watching them now. He got what Amisa is saying! Yes, Jar Jar, I am no longer a prequel hater. But there are still many out there who don't want to hear anything about this ring theory and its positive perspective on episodes one through three. I knew that a lot of the prequel haters would either say, well, one, this is complete BS. I don't believe any of this. And you know, there's no way that Lucas could ever come up with anything close to this. Or they might say that it doesn't matter in the end because the movies still suck. You know, the acting's terrible. The dialogue's terrible. And, you know, the cinematography is terrible, so it, none of this matters anyways. There may be some skeptics, but for the most part, Mike's ring theory has been embraced by the Star Wars fan community. And while he hasn't heard anything from the maker himself, he was asked to share his thoughts about ring composition on the official StarWars.com blog. I didn't read too much into it, but at the same time, you know, the people are, you know, were, were kind of messaging me saying, you know, that's, that's like kind of, in, you know, an implicit, you should take that as like an implicit you know, understanding that your theory is right and they're, they're giving you the nod kind of thing. But, so that's about, we haven't well, really I talked think. about it, but yeah. <laughs> so after looking at all the similarities between the films and the way their beginnings, middles, and ends match up, it's clear that George Lucas was not just rehashing old ideas for the sake of nostalgia or because of his lack of originality. He was rhyming ideas in accordance with the ring structure. For me, the evidence is overwhelming that the structure is there, at the very least. I think, I would hope at this point we could all agree that this ABC-CBA is, is most likely correct. But the interpretation of that and whatever meaning, you know, we want to derive from it, you know, take away from it, I mean, that's obviously up for interpretation and debate. If the step parallelism structure shows the parallel journey between Anakin and Luke, then what the heck does a ring composition show? Why would George Lucas use the ABC CBA structure? In a nutshell, you know, the, the step parallelism to me really, really focuses on the journeys of fathers and sons. What the ring composition does is unite everything together and create one long hero's journey of Anakin Skywalker from, you know, essentially from birth um, to death. And, and by connecting all these pieces and it, allows you to kind of transcend the pairs of opposites, like Joseph Campbell might say. 
As you guys know, Joseph Campbell was a huge inspiration for George Lucas and Star Wars. In Campbell's book, Hero Cycle or Journey, he states that the hero must transcend a pair of opposites in order to have the necessary transformation of consciousness. So, in Star Wars, the pair of opposites is the light side and the dark side of the Force. Anakin Skywalker eventually transcends these opposites with the help of his son Luke and becomes immortal. The purpose of the ring structure is to show Anakin Skywalker's transformation over the course of these six films. And that's basically what George Lucas said back in 1999 while speaking to Bill Moyers in a documentary about the mythology of Star Wars. Well, it is about transformation, and, and ultimately it will be about transformation of how young Anakin Skywalker became evil and then was redeemed by his son. Uh, but it's also about transformation of how his son came to, to find the call. Luke works intuitively through most of the movie until he gets to the very end. He goes back and forth with his emotions about fighting his father, not fighting his father. Never. I'll never turn to the dark side. Finally, he comes to that decision to say, no, this is, this is what I have to do. I have to simply throw my weapon down. And it's only that way that he's able to redeem his father, which ultimately is the issue. It's not as apparent in the first three movies, but when you see the movies I haven't made yet. Episodes two and three. The issue of how do we get Darth Vader back is really the central issue. How do we get him back to that little boy that he was in the first movie? That good person who loved and was generous and kind. Stories about redemption have been told for centuries, but it is how George Lucas told his story that made it feel original and has fascinated so many of us fans for years. Like we learned earlier, parallelism is a technique that can help you remember a tale about morality. So by using inverted parallelism, or ring composition, what is the moral George Lucas is trying to get his audience to remember? The importance of, say, friendship and loyalty. You know, I mean, most people look at that and say, how corny. But, you know, the, the issues of friendship and loyalty are, are very, very important uh, to the way we live our lives. But it's not common knowledge among young people. You know, they're still learning. They're still picking up ideas. They're still using these ideas to shape uh, the way they're going to conduct their life. And you need to tell the same story over and over again every generation. So that generation gets it. And I think we've gone for a few generations where a lot of the sort of more basic stories uh, have fallen by the wayside. You know, one of the functions of myth is to, to kind of take these great stories and, and regenerate them every generation. Just kind of a way of passing down that knowledge, that wisdom that the previous generation learned. And I think that's very much part of Star Wars. And I thought it was... Again, I could be reading too much into it, but I think there was there was one trailer for The Force Awakens where it, I think that it had the tagline "Every generation has a story," yes. you know, which which was also an ode to I think every generation has a, a legend or every generation has a beginning or, or something to that effect for the for the Phantom Menace, you know. Wow. But it's it's, that, it's 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 that same idea again where yeah, we're just kind of retelling these same stories, you know, the story of Anakin coming of age, Luke of coming in coming of age and Ray coming of age and 
so on the one hand, you know, you can, you know, the cynics can, can kind of look at that and, and they might say that, well, you know, Hollywood's running out of ideas and they're, they just keep repackaging the same thing. But at the same time, Star Wars has always been a little bit different in that it purposefully does those things because repetition is really kind of the bread and butter of mythology. For George Lucas, his Star Wars myth was complete after he finished Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. In fact, in 2005, he said there would never be any more Star Wars films. He told a reporter from The Guardian, That story will never appear on screen again. It's finished. It's complete. And when asked about making episodes 7, 8, and 9, he said, No, no, it really is a story of the tragedy of Darth Vader. And it starts when he's 9, and it ends when he's dead. And that is the story. But here we are at the beginning of a new Star Wars trilogy, along with films that are part of the new Star Wars anthology. So if the story is complete, in the words of George Lucas, then what does Mike make of the similarities between Episode Seven and the other Star Wars films? You know, when you watch The Force Awakens, I, I certainly think that the step parallelism is continuing. So Phantom Menace lines up with A New Hope, which lines up with The Force Awakens, and I think that's fantastic. I do think, though, I, I do warn that they might have to try a little harder to maybe hide those points and to maybe make it a little bit more subtle. Because mm. I think we've reached a point where people are now using that against the films. And I think we saw that in some criticism that came out about how it's lazy storytelling or it's, it feels like a cheap ripoff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think Lucas took very, you know, I think he took an awful lot of care into trying to twist some of these things around enough where it wasn't so obvious to so many people where as they were watching the movies, it almost felt like at times almost like paint by numbers. Like, you know, exactly what was going to happen next because it followed so closely. And that right. I think they just have to be, they didn't just have to be a little more careful of particularly yeah. if they're going to use any more Death Stars and Trench Runs. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows if episodes seven through nine will fit into a poetic structure like the previous saga. I guess we'll have to revisit this topic after episode nine comes out. Again, I don't know what they have in store for the next two movies and, and if they're if they're all gonna connect with some kind of larger structure like the other movies, or maybe they've just kind of thrown that out the window and said, Forget about it. Or maybe there's a slim chance that Kasdan and, and, and Abrams and, and Kathleen Kennedy are not completely aware of how Lucas structured all those movies. Slim chance, I'm just saying I don't know. I don't know how much, how many people know about, you know, at least when they were making The Force Awakens early on and writing the script, were they aware of what Lucas had done and to what lengths that he, he went to and into what detail? As someone who has invested so much time into researching ring composition in Star Wars, does Mike hope the next trilogy will continue where Lucas left off and begin a new ring cycle? What I liked about all the Star Wars movies, particularly the ones that Lucas directed, Lucas to me was always using Star Wars as a vehicle for his vision and to kind of push the medium forward and push storytelling, you know, visual storytelling forward or effects forward or what have you. But he was always using it, you know, to express a vision. And, and, and I hope ultimately that's, that's all I expect is I, the, the, the directors and the writers and all the people working on these new movies is I want to see their vision. I want to see them take it, into different places um, and, and maybe use different techniques. And maybe there's, there's another, you know, ancient technique that they want to use or 
that's kind of what I what I would prefer to see. So repetition is nice, and I think that'll be part of it, but maybe maybe taken in a different direction at the same time. Right. Surprises. I have no doubt Star Wars will continue to surprise us, and yet I also hope the Star Wars storytellers continue to repeat the themes of friendship and loyalty, and the belief that we have control over our destiny. It's important we tell these stories for many generations to come. A huge thank you to Mike Climo for being my guest on this episode and for putting forth an excellent essay that is ripe for discussion. Mike will be seen in an upcoming documentary about the prequels called The Prequels Strike Back. Check out their website at prequelsstrikeback.com. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Climo. K-L-I-M-O, and be sure to check out his superb essay at StarWarsRingTheory.com. He spent two years researching his essay, and it definitely reflects that. It's chock full of evidence that is supported by side-by-side shot comparisons, numerous articles, and quotes from the maker himself. Currently, Mike's working on those essays he originally wanted to write before he began his Ring Theory. The subject matter? addressing the criticism of the prequels. I definitely look forward to reading that in the future. As always, if you'd like to keep the discussion going, you can find me on Twitter, at Jennifer Landa, hashtag JediBeat. Be sure to subscribe to the Four Center feed if you haven't already. You'll hear our main Four Center show, Ken Knapsack's Spotlight Star Wars, and Joseph Scrimshaw's latest show, Data Bank Brawl. It is so hilarious. He pits Star Wars characters against each other and then sees who would win in the fight. Ah, gotta love it. Thank you guys for listening. And until next time, this has been The Jedi Beat. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 